Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Palmer bet on the edge of the box. Oh, it's a straight up screamer. Download our app today and enjoy straight up screamers this FIFA World Cup with great odds, great promos and same game multi at Palmerbet. Gamble responsibly. For gambler's help, call 1-800-858-858. It's time to cast off on a new adventure. This is Real Adventures with Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Hadgood. Hello and welcome to Real Adventures from wherever you're listening right around the country. Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Hapgood joining you this morning to talk all things fishing, boating and the great outdoors. Good morning to you, Redman. Yes, good morning, Patrick. And things are going to be a little bit different with the show going ahead. Today might sound a little bit different because you're obviously not here with me in Victoria, but the show is still going to be as informative as always, and there's a fair bit happening in the fishing world, Pat, and also in the footy world. Take us through it. You're obviously about to head to WA. Yes, bit happening. We fly out to Western Australia this morning, having spent six days in Sydney. Obviously, every AFL team at the moment is out of Victoria, or bar a few players that have been left um, in the state by some clubs. Uh it's been a really fascinating six days in terms of the future um, of the competition for 2021 and where it goes, how it finishes. What we do know so far um, is that we are on the road for the next 30-odd days. Players have been, uh, and, and, and Travis Ward had spoken about this publicly, uh, that players would return back to Melbourne uh, within that sort of time frame of, you know, anywhere between sort of 32 and 34 days to reset and then, I suppose, set up where the competition goes to from here. Now, um, the interesting part about that is clearly Victoria is in a significant lockdown for the next six weeks. So to have players returning home in that stage, particularly when all the clubs are, you know, based apart from Geelong in metropolitan Melbourne. They actually wouldn't be able to return and train at their own individual um, facilities. They would be, to my understanding, having to train in groups of two again, like it was, you know, some three months ago. So, whilst that doesn't affect some postcodes, um, clearly it affects the majority of AFL players. So. Uh, if and when you know we get to that stage around heading back to the state, and if it is in lockdown, there's some really big decisions to make. I think um, it makes sense to cram as many games as we can in, you know, over the next four to, to six weeks, whether that's five and six day breaks. I think that's the right path ahead because, and we were warned all of us, you know, three months ago, four months, five months ago, that um, the second wave can be can be just as deadly, if not more so, than the first when it comes to COVID-19. So there's a fair bit to, to play out in the AFL space. There's a fair bit of unknown. Uh, 
two weeks of, of lockdown is what uh, awaits us this afternoon once we arrive in at, at Western Australia and head straight to um, to the hotel for that. So, um, unfortunately, Redmond, I won't be able to enjoy the uh, the kingfish that have been released in Western Australia, some 5,000 uh, in metro waters, which is incredible to see. And it's WA's first initiative when it comes to um, releasing um, juvenile yellowtail kingfish. So they um, are from South Mole at Frio. Um, and as we said, first time uh, that cultured yellowtail kingfish have been released in Western Australia. So um, exciting times if you're a Western Australian angler. We'll get a little bit of time to, to, to fish the back end of our of our trip over here, which is great. So uh, I'm looking forward to that. Uh, furthermore, Redmond, though, there is a bit of news around the fishing industry. Uh, Two-stroke outboard engines uh, have been a huge part of all our existence as fishermen and, and boat owners, uh, but their days now are clearly numbered. During the week was the last day that you could legally buy a brand new carby-equipped two-stroke outboard in Australia. Uh, so that is now uh, finished. Doesn't mean... Um, if you've already got a two-stroke hanging off the back of your transom, you can't continue to use it. Um, you can also, uh, you know, buy a second-hand one from a from a shop or privately and that sort of thing. So that still exists, um, but from you know during the week, that is no longer an option. So safe to say, Redmond, I think it's a it's the right decision decision given just how far technology's come, how important the environment is for us all to enjoy, um, and how great four strokes are. Your take on it? Yeah, Pat, it's a good one because I know a lot of people that purchase two-strokes specifically for, uh, let's just give you an example, uh, heavy glass boats, so Eden Crafts and Bath Straders and even V17Ls and 19, uh, 19Rs, people have purposely gone out and bought Optimaxes and other two-stroke engines purely for the power. So what I mean by that is they obviously got more grunt and more throw out than what a four-stroke has. They say they're a bit of a slower engine, if you, want to, if you were to say it like that. So, yeah, it's a good one. It, I'm not too sure, to be honest with you, uh, how some people are going to take it, because like I said, there is a purpose for them. But in saying that, the technology that has gone into the four-stroke engines now is completely different. And it's not just the engine than what it was, say, 10 years ago. Well, not only that, you've also got propellers. Propellers different four blades, you've got different pitches, you've got three bladers, you've got so many different options these days to give you that throw out that people have, were searching for when the four strokes first come out and they put two strokes on to get that performance. So basically, if you do have a two-stroke engine, like you said, Pat, you can still use it, you can still purchase an old one, but I think it's a. I, I think we're well past the two-stroke engine now as such, even though I use one during the week with a mate and it doesn't miss a beat, it was a great engine to use, but... I think the four strokes have come so far and the prices aren't like they used to be. I know they still are pricey, but they're still not ridiculously pricey. So you can pick up a nice, say, for example, if you, a lot of, a lot of two stroke engines are on also older vessels. So you're your small, your small vessels, like your 5.2 streakers or your 4.8s. There's a few there with small, uh, with small two-stroke engines and you can pick up a second-hand four-stroke now for four or five grand which can be a bit pricey and put you out of pocket a little bit but I still think that 
technology has come so far and propellers that now allow you to get the throw out that you need that there is, isn't probably a place for new two strokes to be built in the market and also I don't think people are really purchasing them anymore for that factor so yeah I reckon you're onto something Pat they are environmental too but I think it's the performance 100% has been covered well and truly by the new four strokes and technology that goes into them. Well we've got a massive show of real adventures coming your way uh your week in fishing redmond it's going to be interesting over the next you know few weeks we're lucky enough that we do get to continue to enjoy uh fishing and boating obviously there's going to be a lot less traffic on the water there's going to be a lot less movement between towns uh how have you fared yeah to make things clear with a few restrictions that have been put in play we'll call it the blue zone because the map come out during the week and the blue zone basically means that anywhere in the metropolitan area that is a blue zone, basically you can't travel out of that. So to give you people who aren't in Victoria perspective, and if you don't know the state too well, basically from nearly Geelong, it's before Geelong, so Lara, right all the way down to Western Port, down to the Mornington Peninsula. So for myself, I'm in Ocean Grove and Queenscliff at the moment, don't know how long for, we aren't in the series, the six-week lockdown period that is being put into play of the rest of Melbourne. So if you live in that area, you can still travel to fish, but you can't leave the locked zone, locked out area. So for example, if you live in Beau Morris, uh, you can travel to Sorrento to go fishing if you need to go fishing. So... You can still fish anywhere in that restricted area, but just don't leave it. So you can't travel to Apollo Bay like I was fortunate enough to do during the week. So you can't come down there. You can't go to Portland. You can't go to Lakes Entrance. So you need to stay in those restricted areas if you are in lockdown. And the fishing week was great, Pat. Like, the winter weather has just been phenomenal. So we had a little bit of crappy weather last week, which we spoke about. But this week, it was just sunshine pretty much all week and some seriously light winds and those northerlies that we get this week uh, get during the winter sorry we had them this week which gave the opportunity for people to get offshore and catch some awesome fish now my week started with uh monday was a little bit a uh, little bit of south into in it at the at the start of the week and the whiting went really really well we got those big big tides that i'm always talking about those tides at are so big that I couldn't even hold sinker in my normal grounds fishing out of Queenscliff. So we had to push into the shallow waters and that's where we found the whiting. The only drama is because it's been so still and calm, the swell has also been so calm too. So it doesn't create the dirty water. So the fishing was a little bit harder down south, but pushing up to sort of that St. Leonard's region is where I did most of my work. Fishing those edges of those banks where that dirty water, once the tide got going, pushed off those banks and that's where we got the whiting. We also headed offshore and fishing outside of Bowen Heads right now. The snapper out there, I, in saying that, I didn't get any snapper, but I wasn't fishing for them. But I had mates fishing inside of me that were fortunate enough to catch some seriously good snapper. Nearly, I think they bagged out the three of them. So that's nine fish, nine beautiful fish over 40 centimetres. So that's good fishing this time of the year. I fished out deep. I've got a little reef that we've been fishing, just working it out at the moment. So I only found it, uh, no, just the other week actually. And the nanagai out there, I've never seen the amount of nanagai that we're catching, or swallowtail nanagai, whatever you want to call them, I get confused, but they're a beautiful eating fish. There's no size limit on them, and it's five per person, very white flesh. So 
We got a heap of them uh, during the week. Also, the leather jackets are out there are massive. And then the gummies that are coming through off this reef, you can't really talk any higher of the fishing out there in that deep water. But the only drum with the gummies is they're smaller. So sort of that five to eight kilo, that's the size you're getting out there. You're not getting those big 20 plus kilo models that you get on the inshore reef. So that instead of wearing 60, like I said, instead of that 30 where we usually fish, 30 to 35 or even 28 at times, that edge of that heavy reef, that dominant reef outside of Barwon Heads is where the big, big gummies hang out. But out wide, and I've always said it, the snapper grounds, that is where you're going to catch your gummies. And you can basically anchor up anywhere on those foul ground out of Barwon Heads there, and you're going to have a really good time catching as many gummies as you want if they come through. So what I mean by that, gummies swim in packs. So quite often you'll never really see me get one gummy or two gummies. It's always three, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight sometimes. So if you anchor up and you get a gummy, don't move because you haven't got one another one in 30 minutes. Stay there because there's a good chance that more are going to start to come through. So be smart with it and anchor up and hold yourself for a tie. Don't start moving around for gummies. They will come to you. Don't move. Another thing also do during the week, like I said, I was allowed to travel during the week. So I headed down to Apollo Bay just for the for the day. I, we had 15 to 18 knot northerly on the uh, Thursday. So I thought, you know what? I'll head down to Apollo Bay. There's going to be no wind down there. And when I say no wind, it was beautiful. Now, a lot to learn down there. Dan Mackerel, who we regular guests on the show, helped me out to fishing down there with a couple of areas to start uh, getting some bait and basically drifting at the start for floodies and uh, snapper, which was great. So thank you, Dan, for that. So we headed down there, and there's a hell of a lot to learn. Completely different fishing to Barwon Heads area where I do most of my work. Just a short trip down the road to Apollo Bay, which is an hour and 40 minutes from my joint. The tide that rips through there is incredible i was in 30 meters and we were using 20 ounce ounce leads to hold the bottom and then we couldn't even hold once the tide got going that's how strong it pulls around the cape otway so 20 ounces of lead and i had to i didn't even have 20 ounces on the boat i had to put two tens on the on the rig to hold the bottom we got a beautiful gummy which around that sort of 15 kilo we got a stonking school shark around 20 kilo and we also got a heap of snapper around that three and a half kilo I don't know why it's such a good fishery, but I have a fair idea. I think it comes back to uh, untouched, obviously, but the reef structures down there is incredible. You're in 70 metres drifting, and all of a sudden the reef comes up to 30 metres. You've got Big Reef and Little Reef, which are out off the Cotway, uh, Cape Otway a few kilometres, which also great fishing out there, and we get a lot of barrel tuna out there as well as school sharks. But the... How to explain it? The fish have so much environment to live in out of Apollo Bay. So head down there if you haven't, because the fishing is great. You do have to learn a bit there. You need to really fish your tides. The last hour and a half of your tides, either side of it, is when you're going to do your best work if you are anchored. The drifting for the flathead, we got so many flathead, and they were massive, 35 plus centimeter flathead up to sort of 55, and like as many as you wanted. Before you hit the bottom, you had one on. So there's plenty of options through winter. Just be smart with your restricted travel. The bay's fishing well for your whiting. You can launch at Sorrento and come get some whiting. You are allowed to do that or in Western Port. So be smart. Let's not make it so we can't fish. Like I seen a post which was stupid during the week, Mornington Pier, which was hounded by people watching a whale. There's nearly bloody 100 people off a pier. And that was first day 
of the lockdown. So that there isn't going to do us any favours. So please be a bit smarter with it and uh, and go get on the water and catch yourself some fish. Do you think now that the fact that there are going to be far less people on the water, that catch rates are going to improve or, or not particularly given, I suppose, the wealth of knowledge that's out there for those that are in the know? You're clearly one of those. Um, you know, you get it. But for most anglers, they're just going out to, to have a good time. Yeah, I don't think it's going to affect it too much, Pat. I, I, don't, I, I don't know. It's, it's seasonal. Fish come in, fish come out. We're in a pretty dead spot at the moment being this time of the year. Uh, so, yeah, I, I don't think... I think there's going to be a lot of people in the water, not as many, not many travelling as such, so especially down my area and Barwon Heads and the likes, but they still will get out there. But I don't think it's going to affect anything to do with catch rates, Pat. I really don't. So, yeah, get out in the water if you can. Catch yourself some fish. The fish are there. It's not red hot because we are in the middle of winter, but there is plenty there. And, Patrick, it is time to let you go because you are in WA. I'm going to do the rest of the show. You're going to go into your hub and lock down, but there's plenty more to come on Real Adventures after the break. We've got the Social Club Dream Boating Destination. This is Real Adventures, and we'll see you after the break. You're listening to Real Adventures with Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Hadgood. Welcome back to Real Adventures, and if you've just joined in on the show just before the break, I mentioned Patrick has left me. He's bailed on me as per usual, not... Hey, give me a hand as my shoulders sore carrying the show, but he is obviously in WA, and this week's just a little bit different, so I'm going to do the rest of the show, and we're going straight into the social club with our questions, so make sure if you do want to send some questions in, you head to our Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, and I'll do my best to answer them, and Pat will also, when he is here, and the first one up is from Braden. He is asked, what's the best way to learn an area before going to it regarding water depths, rocks, etc.? Um, good question. Now, we'll go off, for example, Polo Bay during the week. So I headed down to Apollo Bay and I've been fortunate enough to charter down there years ago and fish quite a bit out of there. But when I first got there, I said to myself, geez, I haven't been here for a while. So I jumped on my Navionics. It was the first thing I did in the car. My mate actually towed the boat up there uh, in my car because I was half asleep. I had a couple of jammos the night before watching the footy. So basically, he, uh, he drove up and while I was driving up, I jumped on Navionics and I studied what I was where I was going to travel. So Navionics is an app you can get on all phones, Android or your iPhone. It's a great application to get. I think it costs a little bit of money, maybe 20 or $30, I think. So just jump on if you haven't got it. You can basically see whatever you can see on your normal chart plotter. You can see that on your phone. It's exactly the same, and it works really, really well. It gives you all your depths, all your rocks, all your tight areas. And what I mean by that is if you're going, say, for example, to the rip, it says on it hazardous area, uh, tidal movements or waves breaking, etc., like it does on your normal charts. So, if you want to work a route out to wherever you're traveling, you can head to the Navionics app and you can spend a fair bit of time setting your route and you can set a route on it so you can seriously put on there where you're traveling, where you want to go, and it will tell you how long it's going to take to get there at what speed. It is a phenomenal app. It works really, really well, and I highly advise it. Another good thing with it, and we've spoken about it on shows over the years, the last past three years, you can also make a plan of attack on finding ground. So if you are heading to Apollo Bay and you want to fish the edge of a reef, you can put the sonar charts on or your chart plotter, which is down the bottom left corner. You can put it on and it gives you in-depth 
as much as possible of what you're going to be fishing over the top of. Now, obviously, you want to get there on the day and use your sonar to find that ledge that you want to fish, but it's going to give you a good head start. It's going to allow you to find exactly what you're looking for. And we've always spoke about movement in contour lines. So on the charts, you're going to see contours, which is your depth changes, so your 20-meter line, your 30-meter line, and you're going to see when they move. And when you've got a sharp movement in them, it generally means there's going to be some sort of reason why. So it could be a sandbar, it could be a reef, it could be anything. And the reef is what we tend to be looking at if we're chasing a lot of our fish down here in Victoria. And this app is national-wide. It's the Australian-New Zealand version, so you can use it all over Australia. When Pat and I headed up to Cairns during the year, that's how we found our ground to fish. So the app is Navionics Australia and New Zealand. I hope that helps, Braden, because it is a great app and it's highly recommended uh, that you get it. The next question is from Leo. Red. I struggle to find the sinker on the bottom when fishing in strong tides, such as Western Port and Port Phillip Bay. Any tips? Good question. Massive question. I actually had a bloke come up to me at the ramp during the week, and he goes, oh, we're fishing your marks off Salt Guide on the South Channel, and we just couldn't get the bottom. And I said, what do you mean you couldn't get the bottom? Like, I was a little bit confused, because it's hard to say, when you can't get the bottom, what do you mean? He goes, with the sinkers, we can't, look, we never had the bottom. The line just kept going out. So what's happening is your sinker's on the bottom, because the tide is strong, your line just will constantly um, pull out. Now, you need to be a bit smarter with the rod and reel in your hand when you're flicking it out. So what I mean by that is, you're not going to do a 100-meter cast as far as you can, because all of a sudden, once it falls down with the tide, you're going to run out of line, and the first gummy shark you catch, you're going to get spooled. So you want to just flick it out five or six meters at the back of the boat, and then you want to feather your actual line down. And what I mean by feathering your line down is, your hand on the line as you're dropping it in and the, the spool's obviously open and you just feel it, just keep stopping it every three, two seconds or three seconds. Just let it run, stop, run, stop. And all of a sudden, the sink will hit the, bam- the bottom and you'll feel it. You don't want to just cast it out and just constantly let your line go because you, it's just going to keep going. It won't stop because the line will keep coming off the reel as the water's pulling it with the tide in, in the tide, whether it's Port Bay, Western Port or even Apollo Bay where I fished and I spoke about that at the start of the show. So, you need to feather your line down. Now, even on the whiting, I get new people that fish with me on the whiting, say, for example, at Cottage by the Sea. Now, we're fishing Cottage by the Sea, which is quite strong tide. And on the whiting, they'll cast it out. And at St. Leonard's, your line, you think it hits the bottom and your line stops coming out. Let's be honest. Where down at Cottage by the Sea or Queenslift in the strong water, it'll just keep coming out. And people will be like, oh, I can't, I can't, even, like, I can't even feel a bite or nothing. I can't feel anything. I'm like, Why? keep whining. And they wind up and finally they feel that they're sinker. So... That's how people go wrong. You need to feather your line out and that there will make you find the bottom. And you also need to have the relevant sinker size to wherever you're fishing also. So it's pretty simple to do and you just need to feather it out. Next question is from Katie. I'd like to buy my husband a rod and reel for whiting without spending too much. Can you recommend a reasonable combo? Katie, I wish buddy, my missus bought me a new rod and reel combo. That'd be nice. Good on you, Katie. Now, Fishing, depending where you're fishing, obviously she said whiting here, is uh, is basically the, the question you're sort of asking. So, in for example, if he's going to do a lot of fishing, say, at Clifton Springs in non-tidal area, he's going to fish a lighter size reel and a lighter size rod. Is If you're going to be fishing a lot of Queenslift like I do, you're going to try and have a mixed rod because we need that bit of a stronger rod to handle the tide. So, what I'd be doing is I'd be going 
the slightly heavier one, and you won't really notice it too much if you're only just getting into fishing or if you're learning uh, how to fish because you, you you just you won't notice the weights with the sinkers because you're probably not going to be doing that when you're fishing. So when you're buying a rod, you need to first find out how much you want to spend. Now she said she doesn't want to spend too much money, which is fair enough because I don't think you need to. And the perfect rod is an atomic arrows. You're looking at a, I would go your three to eight pound. That's what I'd be using. Of quite a light rod as it is, I wouldn't be going the the one to three or the two to six. I'd be going the three to eight pound because they are a lighter rod, and also they're around a hundred and twenty to hundred and forty dollars. So head into your tackle store and you be able to find yourself a Atomics Arrows. They're a great rod and extremely budget friendly. Like I said, 120, 130 bucks, 140 bucks, depending on the size you go, is pretty cheap for a quality widening rod. The reel that you're going to fit with this, now that's the question because this comes down to your tidal areas and what line you're going to use. So Clifton Springs, you might only use a 1,000 or a 1.5 or 2,000 size reel with, say, 8-pound braid, where I use a 2.5 to 3,000, and that's matched with 14-pound braid because of the reef that I'm fishing. So my recommendation would be a 2,500 reel and to get 10-pound braid on it. Because that there will handle everything tidal, non-tidal waters. It'll do, uh, it'll, it'll do everything you need it to do. And braid, you you need braid. Don't go using mono for whiting. That's a must. If the tackle guide says use mono, don't use braid. It is probably the most handy thing that you're going to uh, you're going to have. That was the social club, and now it is time for dream boating destination. And for all everyone listening around the whole country, I'm going to keep it very simple today. It's going to be for the Victorians that are in lockdown. I'm not going to say somewhere, for example, like Exmouth or anything of the like, because we can't go there. And I'm not going to be... Uh, I know you guys can around up in WA there, but we can't. So I'm going to keep it simple, and I'm going to talk a little bit about what's biting a bit more in Port Phillip Bay at the moment and what you can catch in the week to come. So what I'm going to do is Port Phillip Bay, Western Port, it's not far from Melbourne. It runs all the way from Melbourne, all the way down to myself on uh, the west side, down to Ocean Grove, Queenscliff, right down to Sorrento, bottom corner, Mount Martha in the middle there, and Western Port on the other side. don't really know the towns around there, but Western Port, you can access while the lockdown is on. So I know right now that Western Port fishing, this calamari is fishing extremely good. Massive calamari inshore and outside of the entrance at uh, Western Port. Gwaine has been catching plenty. The snapper will start... To, you will start to see some massive snapper being caught at the top end like Gwaine spoke about last week. The whiting, yeah, a little bit tougher. So fishing down south end of Western Port is going to catch you plenty of uh, bigger whiting. Look, you're not going to get your bags of 40 and 60s. You're going to get your 15s and 20s, but they're going to be some big quality 40 to 50 centimetre fish. So it's well worth hitting Western Port up. Port Phillip Bay, and we had a garfish show in the uh, previous two weeks ago. And the garfish in Port Phillip Bay on the uh, eastern side, right from Bow Morris, right down to Mount Martha, hotspots being Mornington, Mount Martha, etc. So land base and boat, you can get down there if you need to get outside. Head down there, clear your head, and catch plenty of garfish. They're beautiful to eat. They're great fun for the kids to catch if the kids aren't at school. So make sure you get onto those garfish. Down south, you've got the whiting obviously going well. St. Leonard's, few are starting to show up around that Sorrento Bleg area, so it's well worth having a look through that area also. But then you've got the calamari, and they're right through Port Phillip Bay, so all up that Mount Martha, Mornington side, right down Sorrento, and up along 
the uh, up along the the St Leonard's region into indented heads. So for those who can who can't uh, who can't travel, the top end of the bay is fishing a little bit tough. So it'd be well worth, for example, if you live in Werribee and you're in lockdown. It'd be worth a 20-minute boat trip, launching your boat and pushing down to St. Leonard's uh, area where you can get yourself a nice feed of fish. That's what I would be doing. That was our dream boating destination for us Victorians who are in lockdown. Don't go anywhere because there's plenty more to come after the break. You're listening to Real Adventures with Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Hadgood. Welcome back to Real Adventures, and it is now time for our Real Adventures Rewind. All for Dometic, enjoy a drink on the rocks on your next outdoor adventure with the Dometic CFX3 Ice Maker model. And we're going back to 2017 when we spoke to Richmond star Basha Hooley about his love for fishing. Take a listen. He was very, very unlucky, I'm telling you right now, not to win the Norm Smith. He's been a star from go to woe, Basha Hooley from the Richmond Footy Club. Bash, thanks for joining us and congratulations on uh, being a premiership player now. Mm, thanks for having me, boys. Uh, it's always uh, special to be uh, on a show or I guess on air with, with guys that are passionate and keen fishing supporters, something a little bit different than footy, footy talk, but um, you know, we all we all love and do something away from footy and for us it's, it's fishing. Well, I'm sure Pat's going to throw you a few footy questions, but I don't really care about your footy too much, Basha. We're here today to talk about your fishing, so that's what we've got you here for today. So you like your fishing a little bit, Basha? Yeah, I'll, I'll probably I'll say a little bit. Um, but, uh, yeah, as, just like uh, other keen fishermen, whenever we can get can get out, you get the opportunity to get out, we uh, we hook up the boat and, and head out and do what we do. But, um, you know, for me, for the last... Uh, Actually, timing for me was wasn't great because I uh, I spent about three months doing my uh, V seventeen R Hain Hunter, uh, spent a little bit of dough on that just to get it to where I want it. And you know, obviously, I love the hull. Um, got it to where I want it. Did about thirty hours on the on a brand new one forty Suzuki. Um, and then uh, one morning, I was heading out from Altona boat ramp to uh, to Queenscliff. Um, got the reports that the gummies and snapper all. Leave uh, my gummies hard. alone. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm heading over your tower, danger. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, it's a high, isn't it? You know, 40, 40, uh, 45, 50 k across, but nothing the, uh, the 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 little hull, strong hull can't can't um, can't deal with. Although it's uh, on the way, about five hundred meters out, I smacked a unlighted p- pole, and uh, yeah, that wasn't great to be quite honest. I was leaning over to the glove box to grab my beanie. My mate that was with me took his eye off the. Uh, my, it was that night. I couldn't really see as, as much, but it's behind my backyard. Normally I can go out there blindfolded, but hit this pole and uh, oh. yeah, just, just put me back a little bit. Um, uh, you know, obviously did a fair bit of damage, but uh, and to be quite honest, since I've, I've hit my boat, I've just haven't had much motivation to head out. Nothing, nothing's like having or owning your own boat. Um, so I've had a lot of opportunities to head out with a few boys and that, but you know sometimes you just you know you prefer to go on, on your own. What are you pairing? Your what are you pairing your seventeen with, Basher? One forty Suzuki. Oh, yeah, so that's not too bad. The boogie, the yeah, a little bit, but because uh, <laughs> I did a lot of uh, fiberglass work to it, I thought it was actually going to perform a little bit better. But uh, you know, I've got it. I've got over seventy-two clicks at the moment, so that's that's enough, mate. I think. I'm, I'm I'm not a massive person that I mean I, that loves a lot of speed. Actually, no, sorry, I take that back. I love a lot of speed on the water, but you know if you've got a boat that that gives you 90, 100 clicks, you're probably going to do that, and it's probably not the best thing to to do when you're on a a boat that size. So 
I probably thank God I can only do 72, 73k an hour. Well, I'll tell you right now, there's two people in this studio at the moment, uh, Bash, and Aaron is the one yeah. that would do 100 clicks, and he'd do 100 clicks <laughs> going out chasing I, barrel chairs. I drive the boat meters. to what the water is. <laughs> if the water wants me to go 464 kilometres, I'll do it. If the water wants me to go 20k's, I'll do it. Jesus. I love it. I love oh, it. Don't worry go. about the chew. We uh, about the the fuel. We worry about that later. Right? <laughs> yeah, that's what the old Caltex car that I take out of Pat's Waltz for. <laughs> yeah, that's all good. <laughs> so, Bash, the uh, the boat's in the workshop at the moment. Yeah, it is. Yeah, yep. it is. So, you're going to stay with the same V17? Surely, after a, a premiership flag, oh, yeah. it's, it's time to upgrade no. to Riviera or something. <laughs> yeah, I'm waiting for one of your sponsors. <laughs> 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 yeah, I've had a couple offers here and there, but it's not the it's not the boat that I really want. You know, it's something you're not going to jump into a boat that you're not going to be quite happy with, to be quite honest. And I'm just, um, look, I'm, I'm fixing my boat at the moment. Whether, whether it rides the same uh, is another thing, but. I think I'm about two years two years away from my dream boat, and uh, my, my dream boat so far at the moment would be a Bass Strait six meter offshore or an Eden Craft. Well, I don't think I really want to go want, more than six meters. I've got my Eden Craft in about a month, so if you're more than welcome to come out for a spin, and I'll sell you one of those in about two seconds, Bash, because uh, you won't well, regret it. I, I heard the 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 Bass Strait's got a little bit of an edge over the Eden Craft. Is oh, that, is here that we right? go. We're well, not going to have an argument on here, Aaron. <laughs> actually, you're you're well placed to to judge this because our good mate Mossy yeah. runs a 24 Bass Strait. He does, and yeah. you've been out in the. Two thirty-three Eden Craft. There'd be a similar ride. Yeah, similar. I just find the. I, I, honestly, the, I'm not going to bag mm. boats here, and I'm not just saying it because I'm actually with Eden Craft. Mm. But I find yep. that the two three threes are softer. Yep. And doesn't yep. broach as much. Now okay. Mossy is a good mate of mine. You know Mossy as well, Pat. Now his yep. words yep. are. Yep. His words are. Right now, he was in. The, he fished in Kev six meter Eden Craft on the weekend, just gone, and they fished. It was twenty five knots the wind come up to on the way back. Sam Musket was driving his six meter back. You know what? You know what Mossy said. I would nearly sell my boat right now to buy a six meter Eden Craft because it can do everything, and I don't need a truck to tow it. There's a unbiased yeah, view from Aaron Hapgood about boats, <laughs> Bash. Now, Bash, <laughs> stop talking, Pat. It's my go now. Bash, what fishing do you do? Talk to me. Talk to me. What do you What do you enjoy the most? Look, I. I I generally hang around the bay, Western Port, Port Phillip, because of timing, obviously, footy. You know, the commitments we have. Pat, oh, with, yeah, the time footy. that Pat doesn't have for me. Yeah, keep going. <laughs> uh, <laughs> mate, I'd love to head out and chase the marlin, the barrels, etc. But, you know, when you chase the marlin, it's peak pre-season for us. When you're chasing the barrels, it's in-season for us. So to head out, you know, you, sometimes you've got to give it the respect it deserves of two or three, four days sometimes because if you've got to pay respect to the weather and etc. But I, I generally just stick for gummies, snapper, whiting, they're probably the three main species I chase and, and I'll go as far as, you know, Phillip Island, up to up to up towards obviously the Port Phillip heads. See at least your uh, you know, time with your training, at least it's going into winning premierships. Pat's on. He's just <laughs> 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 oh, He's what? been, he's been giving it to me all day, but I mean, he's copping it today. While we're on footy for two seconds, Bash, yeah. let's go yeah. back 14 months. Um, it hadn't mm. been a great season for the footy club. In your wildest mm. dreams, could you imagine fast forward 12 months and... Well, you said 14, so you got to go 14. Yeah, but that was yeah. a couple of months ago yeah. now. Oh, yeah, true. Um, <laughs> um, could you imagine in your wildest dreams that you'd be a premiership player in 2017? And not only that... But your game was viewed by many as being best on ground. I'd even picked him for it. 
Well, I, I had them very close. Dusty was obviously sensational, but um, yeah. an incredible 12 months, mate. Yeah, yeah, it was. And to be quite honest, uh, no, I, I didn't think we were going to be good enough to, to win the Premiership uh, 12 months later, to be quite honest. I thought, it'd be, I, I thought we were heading the right direction. Obviously, we finished 13th the year before, and, you know, uh, it wasn't obviously a great finish. But the pre-season that we had was uh, phenomenal. You know, obviously, the team building that we've done, uh, you know, going away. And just, you know, I, when you look at our, our playing list, you know, you, you've got probably three or four, maybe, yeah, probably four A-graders. Uh, and when you look at your A-graders, um, you know, obviously the leaders of the footy club, but you probably think you need a few more A-graders, A-graders to move forward. But the great thing and the quality thing about our, our footy club is that, you know, the B-C-graders were playing or performing consistent football. And when you've got, you know, 44 hungry players that obviously want to play for each other, and you know Pat best, you, you you know success comes your way, and that's what that's that's the way I summarise or you know summarise our footy club this year. We've we've come a long way, and you know you, you look at the young boys who played fifteen to thirty games, um, you know playing uh, you know uh, confident football in the final series where you probably you think you know those younger boys will probably um, you know won't perform as such, but uh, you know everyone played their role throughout the season and. You know, we we had a very consistent finals uh, footy, and you know, obviously the last week of September we 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 performed and you know got the chocolates. But I, it's, it was definitely well deserved. But it all started from a uh, from a solid preseason, and and actually more more importantly, an enjoyable preseason. You know, sometimes you know you can grind through preseason and not enjoy it, but obviously, um, you know, come in season you, you you know you enjoy it a little bit more. But our preseason was very well balanced from obviously from work life balance. And uh, you know, you can tell everyone had a smile, smile on their face, and the program was it suited every individual. I don't like running, Pat. <laughs> <laughs> so plenty. Of, Nobody does. There's <laughs> got to be plenty of time for fishing. I don't think there's ever any luck involved, uh, Bash. When I think the average margin of your finals wins was in the forty-point vicinity. So your finals was mm. just astonishing and, yeah. and blew everyone out of the water. Um, mm. You mentioned that the balance of of the preseason. So does it enable more time to, to head out in the boat? Obviously, that's that's a part about getting yourself away from mm. footy and think about thinking about something yeah. totally different. Mate, footy... Uh, <laughs> I was speaking to Ben Cunning because he's a pretty passionate... Uh, Ben's, a, Ben's a very video. close mate of mine. That, uh, is he? Yeah, he just doesn't like answering <laughs> the phone to me either like Pat. <laughs> no, Ben is a good mate of mine. He's, he's a, he's a, yeah. He does get a... Yeah, he tries yeah. to go fishing a bit. Uh, we we'll have a chat, having a chat after one of the games we played this year, and this, I'm like, mate, you know, you're going to get a bit of time to go out fishing because, mate, fishing for me comes first, and I'm like, oh, mate, I second to that. You know, fishing, fishing is the best thing ever. Like, mate, we, I, I, I love fishing. Any time I get the opportunity to go out, I go out, and there's no excuses. Like even grand final week, mate. You know, obviously grand final week, focusing on the grand final, but you know, you got to do what works for you. And for me, it's just, mate, smelling that fresh air when you go out in the water. And, that fresh pilchard. You know, putting a few lines <laughs> in the water and, you know, tripping over a few gummies here and there. And, like, look, for me, it's not all about catching fish, but actually just to go out and just really have time to myself or obviously if I'm, if I'm with someone else, just to really, well, I guess, zone out. Um, so as, me, as much as I can go out, I, I head out. During off-season, I'll probably head out probably four or five times a week. Um, sometimes twice a day, if if I can, you know, do That's a morning session, come more back. Than Pat. <laughs> <laughs> That's passionate. <laughs> these these tibbies making 
making the dough, mate. Don't worry, isn't it? <laughs> and plus, when he when he goes out fishing, he goes with the right people. He doesn't have, doesn't yeah. have to waste as much time as what I do. <laughs> uh, that's all good. Yeah. So obviously, you know, the the, the work life balance is, is extremely important pre season. Um, you know, you're at the club for longer hours, but as soon as you leave, you know, three four o'clock, um, and the weather's half decent. When I say half decent, forty knots and below. Um, we, uh, you know, obviously hook on the boat and just head out wherever the fish are biting. We go out and um, target them. So speaking uh, of where the fish are biting, the segment is follow the sun bash. Mm-hmm. So your favourite destination to fish within the state? Within the state, um, I, look, I, I love going out. Even though I live in Altona and it's one minute away from the boat ramp, I uh, and the fishing fishing right now is red hot in Altona, Williamstown. Uh, the boys I hear bagging out every day. I've, I've been away camping and hunting, etc. But um, like I said, I've just lost a little bit of motivation with fishing. But oh, no doubt, I'll be I'll be out this afternoon. It looks like a cracker. Um, I, I love to head out to Western Port because uh, there's such a variety of, of, of fish that you can catch on one spot. You know, you fish your five six meters of water. You're catching gummies. You're catching snapper. You're catching King George whiting, Trevally for bait. You're, you're catching you know, at least seven or eight species on one spot, whereas the bay is limited. Our Port Phillip Bay is slightly limited, especially down our way, I'll find a way, where the current doesn't flow or such. Um, you know, um, although it is one minute away, but I, sometimes I actually choose the, the further destination and to really get away from things. So I love Western Port. Uh, to be more specific, Coronella Way. Coronella is nice and well, I, I like a teammate of yours, <laughs> A teammate of yours who fishes down there also... You, we haven't got a lot of time, but Steve Morris, I'm good. I, I, Steve's another mate of mine. We uh, fish a little bit together, mm-hmm. but um, yep. just before I do, we do let you go, Bash. Now we mentioned Western Port. Uh, Wayne Blake yep. is a good. He's yep. another. He's another yep. guide out of uh, Western Port. He's he's not too bad in the old Western Port, is he? Yeah, no, he's a legend. I've been out a couple times, a few times with him as well, and uh, we've we've landed some 20, 25 kilo gummies as well outside. So um, yeah, great spot, like I said, and. Um, you know, I love I love heading out there just to get away from the four billion boats that hang around, uh, <laughs> oh, what? Hang around your boat. What? Because... There's boats in Altona, is there? <laughs> oh no, no, there's no boats at all. Mate. Uh, <laughs> no boats at all, mate. You've got to, every Tom, Dick, and Harry. As soon as they see your boat, they think you're a superstar fisherman because you've got a Rapala wrap on your on your boat. And everyone thinks you're, you're, the, you're the kingpin. But uh, well, I've got a red beard, that, Bash. I can't hide. <laughs> <laughs> oh, mate, I just uh, mm. it's all good. No, well, well, thanks for joining us, Bash, uh, and sharing and giving us a bit of an insight mm. on your passion that is fishing. We obviously love it, and the listeners love it mm. as well. So thanks for your time this morning on Real Adventures. No worries, boys. Love to head out with you guys one day. That was the Real Adventures Rewind for Dometic, mobile living made easy. And now it's time for Red's Review. And today, Red's Review, I have had so many messages lately about Tide and the likes with whiting fishing because so many people are out there at the moment uh, fishing for whiting due to not being able to travel. There's more people not in Queensland enjoying the sun. They're down here fishing, and whiting is obviously a massive target in uh, here in Victoria. And burly cages is the biggest question we keep getting. They keep saying, you keep talking about burly, and you keep talking about burly, but all I can't get my burly to the bottom. The cages aren't heavy enough that I buy from the, from the, from the stores, which they aren't at times, and at a lot of the time they're not. So... A lead quality lead cage is needed. You need to spend about forty to seventy bucks. You, the forty or fifty dollar ones, they're a bit shorter, depending on the brand. And those sixty to seventy dollar ones, they're a bit taller. So you don't need a tall one as such. You get away with the smaller ones; they work perfectly fine. I think that's what I have a, a shorter burly cage, which 
they're, I think they're, like I said, 40 bucks. You can't really go wrong for the quality you're going to get. couple of keys to getting the Burley to the bottom. Now, it's pretty simple. You can cable to, uh, you can put as many sinkers as you want in it, but the problem is when you put sinkers in it, when you empty it, quite often those sinkers you get forgotten about and all of a sudden you've lost $20 of sinkers. So it's not worth putting 20 sinkers in there to get your lead cage down to the bottom. It does work, but I guarantee you, you will forget it at some point and you will lose them. Another option is you dive. I do a lot of diving. So you dive weight belts. Your weight belt diet, your kilo and a half they come at. So you can run one or two of them in the bottom of it if you, in, if you need it. So like I said, they will sit on the bottom and there's a good chance that you're going to lose it as well. So the best thing to do is actually cable tie them to the bottom of the burly cage. Not only does the burly come out a hell of a lot freer because you haven't got it mixed with sinkers when you're smashing it all up with your with the, the pillies up with your uh, with your baseball bat or whatever you're using to smash it up. Don't use your hands. You'll end up with dots all over them and they hurt for about a week afterwards if you do it regular enough. But basically, get your weights on the outside of the cage, on the bottom of the cage. It is crucial. Don't just drop it down to the bottom and hope that it's on the bottom. Make sure it's on the bottom. Go, get yourself whatever weights you can find that sits quite well on the bottom and just leave them on there. It doesn't matter if you're fishing in a non-tidal area and you've got extra weight on the bottom. It's still going to be on the bottom. Where it does matter if you don't have weights on the bottom and you forget them and you go to Queenscliff and you try and catch these big whiting that we've been getting and you can't hold the bottom with your burly cage and you're going to be sitting there watching me catch fish. So you need to get the burly where the fish are. And that key there is getting it to the bottom. Lead cage, lead on the outside of the cage is the biggest key I can get. And another factor that I see people go wrong with is basically not having a suitable rope that matches the water you're fishing in. So you don't have a burly cage with a boat rope that you hold tie your boat up with to the pier because the thickness of the rope is just going to cause so much drag in the tidal waters that it's not going to be able to basically, it's just going to cause a massive bow in the lot in the rope and it's going to pull the burly cage up off the bottom get a builder's string or the likes whatever you want from uh from bunnings or anywhere have a hand line ready with a uh with a carabine on the end of it so i tie it to a carabine and that way there you can clip on and off your burly cage as you as you please it's easy to clean it's easier to take the burly cage and put it away and you can leave the hand line in the side of your hull so a nice thin rope is extremely crucial as well so there it is all things burly cages that was red's review and we'll wrap the show up after the break you're listening to real adventures with patrick dangerfield and aaron hadgood yes we are on the home stretch to finishing up the show i think it's my first show without pat well he was there at the start so if you did miss the show i'll just give you a quick little wrap up pat joined us for the start of the show if you have only just tuned in so he did join us but obviously wa it was a bit hard at the minute so next week things will be back to normal and the quality will always be there and the information will always be there so make sure you do tune in next week patrick will be back and i'm not sure if you bring any relevance to the fishing side of things but don't tell him i said that but anyway it is now time for red's tip and this week with red's tip i learned the hard way it's safe to say i was uh getting ready during the week and uh, i lent in to go fishing and i uh, lent in the old freezer to grab some salmon out of the freezer and some squid and some pippies as I was doing the offshore gummies whiting uh, on, I think it was on Wednesday. And I reached over into the uh, 
into the freezer to grab out my bait on the bottom and I was back and forward, back and forward and all of a sudden my whole body decided that it was about 50 kilos heavier it looked than what it was because I had my Axis PFD jacket on that has the string on the front of it that you pull in a boot like if you need the life jacket to go and it got caught but don't know what it got caught on in the freezer but all of a sudden I was standing there by myself blown up in the and I couldn't even unbuckle myself at the front where it buckles in because it blew up so big so my tip this week is when you are putting your life jackets on and I know that the maritime won't say to do this but to save yourself on money like I have to buy a new canister and I have to don't even know how to fold it in. I've had a look at it and I gave up trying to fold the life jacket back up in it. But basically, just tuck it away somewhere convenient and safe, but don't go t- hiding it so you can't get it. But that cord that hangs out, you need to just tuck it away. So push it in slightly, whatever it is, so you can still just put your hands in and grab it, but you don't want it to get caught or anything. It's a lot of money, it's a pain in the backside. And now I don't have a registered life jacket on my body. Uh, that I'll, So I was using my jacket as when I go on people's boats. I like to take my own life jacket. And I was using that as my life jacket on their boat because you never know whose boat, what if it's out of date, they're like their canisters. You know that you're, that's the good thing with the Axis is you keep it up to date, the Axis life jacket. You can just wear it in the in the winter, on it's on you. Then all of a sudden in the summer, you can take the sleeves off it and you've got the vest and it's going to be on you as well in those cold mornings when you're heading out for a cray dive, for example. So you can throw it up the front as well, which it still classifies as a life jacket on your vessel. So Red's tip, tuck away that cord, otherwise you're going to have an expensive expensive little morning like I did the other day. And it is now time for the flying gaff. Last one to wrap it up. The flying gaff this week is going to all of those people who annoy me on social media. And what I mean by that is the rubbish that gets spread on social media so quickly is incredible. Now, long story short, when Dan Andrews locked down uh, half of Victoria again during the week, within seconds... I watched his. I watched the press conference, the whole thing, and I listened to what he had to say. And the first thing I took from it was fishing was allowed. You just have to do it like with two per two people, as well as or with your immediate family. And also, don't blow your chances. Don't go stupid on it. But you can still fish if you need to get outside and clear your head. You can still go fishing. Straight away on social media, the first thing that I read when I log in, well. Stuff you, Daniel Andrews, we're locked down, no fishing, no fishing, no fishing. All these people just spreading rumors in the matter of seconds. It is just stupid. If you don't know or you're just presuming, don't write anything because it just gets shared and shared and shared. Then all of a sudden there's people, like the amount of emails and messages we had on Salt Guide saying, oh, people are saying we can't fish, we can't fish. It's not true. Don't write it. It's simple. Just don't write anything. I don't write really anything on social media other than my work. Very rarely will I comment or do anything. So... Only comment when you need to comment, otherwise you're going to be a pain in the backside and cause rumours and make it harder for everyone to understand what's going on, including yourself. So that there is my flying gaff for the week. I am going to go fishing because it's a beautiful day today. It's Saturday and Pat is in WA in lockdown or he's about to head down there. So we will see you next week. Pat will be back and we'll see you soon. Cheers. It's Ty Power's Big Footy final sale. To kick things off, you can get the power to buy three and get one free on selected Toyo passenger car and SUV tyres. Ty Power's Big Footy final sale can't last. Visit typower.com.au now.